Uh, I was born in a small town called Masjid Suleiman in southern Iran. I born in Syria. I was born in Hamburg, Germany. I was born in Kong. I was born in Tanzania in a refugee camp. I was born in Singapore. Guatemala City. I'm from Ireland. I was born in Thailand refugee. I was born in Mumbai. Mm-hmm. I was born in Vientiane. I was born in England. I was born in Costa Rica. Welcome to Many Roads to Hear bringing the voices of immigrants, refugees, and asylum seekers to a national conversation about migration and identity. I'm your host, Caitlin Dwyer. Growing up in the bohemian beach town of Encinitas, near San Diego, California, Preeti Gandhi showed early interest in music and performance. But she was the first-born child in an Indian immigrant family that placed high value on job security. So a career in the arts was not even a consideration. In college, Preeti signed up for voice lessons to counter the demands of her journalism courses. The moment her voice instructor introduced her to opera, her path in life changed. Elena Yusin has her story. Preeti immigrated to the U.S. from Mumbai with her parents in 1971 when she was just a baby. She was not exposed to opera growing up, but does have early memories of music in her life. My mom tells me, she likes to tell me that I I have her to thank for my opera career now. (laughs) She's not wrong, because if they hadn't enrolled me in piano lessons, I don't know that there would have been a way for me to have the opera career that came later. I think I was six years old when she started me in piano lessons. She noticed that I liked to hum along with the radio and that I would remember the pitch. And she thought, okay, let's put her in piano. So that's when it started. I'm very, very grateful because I played, I had lessons and I played all until college. I even was in some piano competitions. I hated practicing, (laughs) but I loved that I was learning how to play the piano. I remember my teachers telling me that I was good and that I had a talent. I don't remember thinking that myself. I don't think I had a frame of reference because my, uh, my mom and dad were not musically inclined. We listened to a lot of Indian bhajans at home, Bollywood, my parents loved Bollywood. I, I will watch Bollywood occasionally, and there are some movies I like, and definitely I love so much of the music, but it's, it's definitely not the crazy fan passion for me that it is, I know, for so many people. But I do enjoy it and love it. Because of piano lessons, I was playing Bach, Beethoven, Mozart on the piano and having that exposure, which I'm so grateful for. But otherwise, in my own personal life, at home I was listening to Indian music. With friends or on my own, I would listen to pop radio. I didn't have any exposure really to American theater. Opera was never on the radar. It wasn't something I really understood or knew about, and we never went. My parents didn't listen to opera. That's not a surprise. It's not something that was popular in our community growing up. I do remember singing a lot to myself and loving Christmas carols. I I knew that I had some artistic leanings because my mom says when I was very, very little, probably six, that I would take our jump rope and I would stick it in one end in the couch and I would hold the other end like a microphone and I would make my entire family sit on the steps and I would, I don't know, monologue, riff on something. Preeti's early years were not all fun in music. While there were several other Indian students and a large number of Mexican students in her class since they were so close to the border, Preeti was targeted relentlessly. I didn't have the happiest childhood. I was bullied in school. I was made fun of for my name a lot. The kids gave me horrible nicknames. They couldn't say Preeti. They would call me Pretty. And as a result, my nickname became Pretty Ugly. And being an immigrant kid who was already not knowing what my identity was, and I was extremely sensitive, it it, it hurt me hard. That started in first grade. It basically drove me into the library for every recess and lunch to read. 
uh, because I just never really felt like I fit in at all. And if I was playing with the kids, then there was always the danger I was just going to get teased right off the, the playground. I remember crying a lot at run, lunch and recesses because I just didn't know how to deal with being bullied in such a respect. And it was constant up until junior high. It drove me into the library. I read every book I could, and basically books became my refuge. Piano and books. I really went into escapism because I was so unhappy in school and as a kid. I didn't know how to talk to my parents about what I was going through and how much pain I was in, how lonely I felt at school. My parents made sure that we were involved with the local Indian community, holidays, rascarbas, whatnot. So that part of my life, it felt like there was a large Indian community. And I had some cousins who moved to San Diego as well. So in that sense, I didn't feel alone in the Indian community. My feeling of, of separateness came because I never really felt like either an American or an Indian. You, you feel, in America, I felt like an Indian kid who didn't fit in. And when we would go to visit family in Mumbai, I would feel like an American kid who didn't fit in. So my own cultural identity growing up was always in flux because I never really knew where I fit in. Despite her love of books and music, Preeti arrived at the University of San Diego in 1990 without a clear vision for her future. But her parents had their own hopes for their eldest daughter. Yeah, my dad wanted me to be the lawyer. I have an extremely educated family. My mom has a master's in economics and my dad has a double major in engineering. My two siblings are uh, doctors. Uh, my sister is a veterinarian and my brother is an uh, anesthesiologist. As you know, in Indian families, there's a lot of expectation put on the first child. And I seemed to want to rebel against all of them. Not because I wanted to, it just seemed to happen that way. I mean, we all know those, the stereotypes, right? The engineers, the doctors, the software engineers. <laughs> it's so funny because it's a stereotype and it's not always true. But there's a lot of truth in that because we just know that in Indian families, especially in immigrant Indian families, there's the expectation of wanting security. And it's a beautiful thing to want that for your family. So when you buck against the trend, it makes it very hard because then all of a sudden you're an outlier from being understood in your own culture and in your own family. So after two years of being an undeclared major, I took a writing class and realized that I really was enjoying this and maybe I should look at the, the communications and journalism track at college. It felt closer to something that I wanted to do, but it didn't yet feel like the aha moment of, oh, this is what I want to do. I found what I want to do. I didn't have that yet. I picked journalism because I knew I had to pick something and I thought, well, I love to write. I guess this is what I'm gonna do. There was a really old out of tune piano at the dorms and I would try and play on it, but it sounded so awful I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. And also I didn't really have a lot of time to practice because I was writing so many papers. And I remember being tired of, of all the homework and the papers and I thought I need something musical in my life. I've always wanted to learn how to really sing. Maybe I'll just start taking voice lessons. A couple months into her lessons, Preeti's teacher made it what would become a life-altering observation about her voice. That day I remember very, very well, because that's the day my whole path changed. We were doing scales and she was taking me very high up the scale, and it was a huge surprise to me to discover that I could sing high. I had no idea that these cartridge folds in my throat could do something like that. It is the strangest thing as an adult to find a talent you didn't know existed within you. So she was taking me up these scales and I was singing extremely high and she looked at me and she said, you have an operatic voice. Have you ever thought of studying opera? 
And I remember laughing because I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> so she said, well, let me give you an aria. It's an Italian aria. Why don't you try singing it? I'll help you with the words. The aria she gave me was O Mio Babino Caro. It's from a Puccini opera. It's very famous and people are always giving it to young sopranos. If you know the movie, uh, A Room with a View, it's the aria that is plays in the opening credits. And so many people will recognize it because they've heard it in pop culture. So we started this aria and I've never had this happen to me before. I had a, an absolute kinesthetic reaction in my body. Something in me, I tell people, it felt like a light switch had flipped on. I felt so happy all of a sudden. I had never had this feeling before in my life. There was nothing that had given me this kind of joy. I still remember it so distinctly. I was singing these notes and I'm sure it sounded terrible because after two months of lessons, you don't have enough of a vocal technique or breath support built up at all to sing an opera aria, but it was more about the feeling of doing it. Something in me woke up. I had no idea what it was, but it filled my body with this kind of joy and fire. Now that I've had all these years of opera experience behind me, I look back and I realize it was discovering that I had the power of expression that I don't feel like I ever had before in my life. That I was bullied in school, so I shut up and read books. I was an Indian girl and don't talk too loud, that our culture likes to tell us. And there's so many restrictions about our gender roles and family and culture. And then trying to fit into American society and who am I as an Indian? I don't feel like I really even knew how to express myself. I was so closed down in terms of who I was, very shy and quiet. And I wouldn't even say that I was really very happy until my early 20s when I found opera. Up until then, I think I was sort of in a survival mode of who am I and how do I fit in? drove home that day, desperate to learn more. She only had cartoon references like Bugs Bunny singing opera to draw from, and no real sense of what opera was. So I called up San Diego Opera, asked for the general director, and I didn't know at the time, but at that time, San Diego Opera was probably the number 10 company in the nation. Very large opera company. Brought in a lot of international stars. Big civic theater, almost 3,000 seat house. Somehow I got him on the phone and I, I said to him, I'm a student at UCSD, I just started taking lessons. And I'm thinking I might want to be an opera singer. I was hoping you could tell me what I have to do. He said, sure, come on in. I tell you, sometimes ignorance really is bliss because there are so many doors that have opened for me because I just didn't know any better. And sometimes looking a little foolish isn't such a bad thing. I went downtown and was in the San Diego Opera offices for the first time talking to the general director. And he explained to me what singers go through, what's necessary, the kind of training, the competition, the very uncertain nature of security in an opera career. And then he said, you know, it's good you have a major that's not music because it'll be something you can fall back on. So we talked all about that. And after the hour was up, I said, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I turned to leave and, he, and then he said to me, um, we're having main stage auditions here in a couple of weeks. Why don't you come in and sing for me? And I'll tell you if you have an instrument worth pursuing. <laughs> so I said, okay. <laughs> not really understanding what I was getting into. Preeti went to the audition, but did not land a spot in the chorus that day. After graduation, she got a job in the promotions department at a local radio station and continued to study opera in her spare time. 
Her efforts soon paid off, and she secured a place in the chorus. I sang in the San Diego Opera Chorus for six years, and during that time, after two years at the radio station, I told my parents I wanted to quit and become an opera singer. They were not very happy about that, but we had a long conversation, and then they, they finally said, um, okay, we'll give you a few years, and we'll help you out with some of the costs, but after a few years, if this doesn't look like it's going anywhere, we want you to go to law school. I know that my parents came to this country with probably very little money in their pocket. So they were very much self-built, self-made. They saved, they worked hard. I understand more now why that was so important to them and the reaction they had when I told them I wanted to be an artist. Of course, the naivety of youth, you don't think about those things. So for me, it was just about the feeling of, if I don't try this, I will always wonder what if, and I don't want to have that kind of regret. But I'm also glad that I pushed back enough to pursue something that had no security attached to it whatsoever, because I, I, I would never have guessed the path that it took me on. I always felt like I was out of my depth, that's for sure. <laughs> I never really knew what I was getting myself into. I think that protected me, though, because if I had really felt the import of that, I think I would have been intimidated out of even trying. None of Priti's training prepared her for the wonder and awe she experienced in taking the stage for the first time. My first time on the San Diego Opera stage in the chorus, I remember having that feeling because that was my first time really looking out, going, going oh my God, I'm on a stage singing opera in front of people who've paid to be here. This is incredible, I'm wearing a costume. For my first solo stage role later, I remember having that feeling again very strongly that, oh my God, I'm singing alone with the orchestra. There's nobody else with me. And I remember feeling so nervous and so exposed because I didn't have that training of singing solo. That was a really nerve-wracking moment. And then later on, getting hired for, let's say, my first leading role. Oh my God, I'm doing this. I'm on a stage and I'm singing opera with an orchestra. I, I can't believe I'm here. I don't know if there was ever a moment where I felt like, wow, I've made it. Because as an artist, you're always thinking about your next gig. Preeti spent her early career years laser-focused on making up for a lack of formal training common among her peers. While working to close that gap, she hardly noticed the discrimination surrounding her in the Eurocentric opera world. In the beginning, I didn't feel that way because my separateness came from realizing that, wow, I have a lot of catching up to do. Everyone here has taken years and years of music training, music history, vocal theory, music theory, vocal training. So for me, it was about I'm a fish out of water because I have a communications major. But it was clear to me that there weren't too many other Indians in the field. The discrimination I felt later came more in the sense of going to auditions and having people feel very free to say to me, well, we really wanted a blonde for this role. Or, well, you're never going to get cast in that because you're not white. And I just, I swallowed the Kool-Aid of it. I took it for granted. I was like, oh, well, I guess they're right. I'm not going to get cast in that because I'm brown. I wish I had been angrier back then. But I think part of me was just thinking, well, this is the way it is in opera. And I'm going to have to learn that if I want to move forward. As years went on, then I started to understand, wait a minute, my voice is perfect for this role. And opera is an art form about the voice and how it tells a story. It shouldn't matter what I look like. It shouldn't matter that I'm brown. 
but the traditional canon was composed in, in Europe hundreds of years ago for white people. So it should be open season for whoever we want to cast in that because it's got to be about the voice. And they were composing operas set in to them foreign lands, Madame Butterfly, Lakme, the Pearl Fishers, Aida, and casting white people in these roles. So why shouldn't people of color get to be cast in roles that are meant for white people? Oftentimes, yes, I was the only person of color in a cast during, during my career. But that part wasn't so uncomfortable for me because I always viewed it as we're a group of artists telling a story. I didn't think of myself as a person of color. When I found opera, my inner identity became, I'm an artist. And then I started to become more comfortable with calling myself an Indian American. All of a sudden I understood that I could say I'm an Indian American and that meant something to me now. But it was because I found who I was, that I'm an artist. And that became my first identity. And it was something that felt like such a relief, even with my own insecurities about my artistic prowess. But I knew inside that, wow, I'm a performer. I'm a singer. I'm an artist. The conversation around BIPOC artists, just in general in our society with everything that's happened in the last year, person of color is a term that comes up so often. That's not how I identify. I always feel, oh, well, I'm an artist. And I think that's why I loved being with other singers, because no matter what countries we came from, even if we didn't speak the same language, for one month, we would be in a city together, singing an opera together in a different language, expressing ourselves, working with a director to tell a story. And there was this common goal and purpose that brought us all together. I felt so at home in that environment that it wasn't about being a person of color for me. Preeti's star was rising. More than a decade into her performance career, she had steady work in lead roles at top opera houses across the U.S. and Europe, from the New York Philharmonic to the Los Angeles Opera to the Royal Opera House. Then, the 2008 recession came crashing in. Preeti couldn't have predicted how this would stall her career, and later, open new doors. I was just singing at really high-level companies at that time when the recession hit. And I'd been averaging six or seven gigs a year, and now all of a sudden it was more like three gigs a year. So I moved back home to San Diego to my parents, because I was really broke at the time, and I started temping in between gigs. And there I am, you know, in my late 30s, <laughs> early 40s. And I remember thinking, God, I feel like I'm not even an adult yet. All my friends, siblings, cousins, marriages, mortgages, retirement plans, kids, none of those things were on my radar. I was still an artist trying to make a living. In 2013, as gigs were finally starting to pick up again, and Preeti had just gotten hired for her first Madame Butterfly lead, she got an unexpected call from the San Diego Opera inviting her to take over as artistic administrator. I never expected to go into arts administration, ever. Sitting behind a desk all day is not my favorite thing to do. Wasn't really thrilled by the thought because I thought, I'm not done singing. I'm a performer, I don't wanna do this. And I almost said no right away, but then I stopped and I thought, let me just think about this. So I thought, all right, if I'm gonna move into administration, then maybe in my own way I can help make a difference. Even if it's just in my town, even if it's just in my company, I can make sure that I'm trying to get better fees for singers, that I'm helping create a better atmosphere in the rehearsal room, that I'm someone who's going to advocate for them. I used to keep a list of any Indian artists that I knew in the field coming up so that I would remember them later because I wanted to hire them. Now, I can't keep track of how many there are. It's amazing. I'm in awe at how many Indians from all over the world are now involved in this industry in so many ways. Pianists, uh, instrumentalists, singers, directors, designers. 
um, librettists, direct, uh, conductors. I stopped that list because there's just too many now. After five years in administration at San Diego Opera, Preeti took over as chief artistic officer at the Minnesota Opera. This move brought her deeper into equity work and important conversations around diversity in the industry. It wasn't until I got to Minnesota Opera that what that kind of proactive equity work really meant for all of us really started to sink in. So they were doing that work before George Floyd was murdered. When all of that happened, which was just a few miles from where I lived, the opera offices and some people in the opera lived in the neighborhood where it happened, that just threw so much of an urgency around that conversation in a way I think that we all needed nationally, globally. But for us in the opera industry, it really made us look at ourselves and say, we have to make change everywhere, so what do we need to do? We need to look at how we cast operas. We need to look at what kind of commissions of new stories do we want to do. We need to diversify the board. What does it mean, equity work in our industry? Even down to the language we use around the, the offices. Now, I will say, I think that at times we can all take that pendulum swing a little too far away from a balance, but sometimes it's necessary, right? I love the traditional repertoire. I never want to stop listening to it or stop producing it. But I don't want to cancel it out. I don't want to say we should never do Madame Butterfly again because of the racist tropes. Because I know there's problems with Madame Butterfly through the lens we have now, but I also know that I adore that music. Puccini's music, he says it was dictated to him from heaven when he put it down on the page. I never want that to go away, but I also understand there's a lot of problems right now with presenting Eurocentric white opera. So for me, it was about how do we present that? Talk about it, not apologize for it, but present it in ways which we understand it's a part of the history of this art form. We can cast things diversely. We can talk about the narratives and the problems they present now. But it's interesting because as a brown woman, I find myself on the other side of the conversation sometimes of championing the traditional European repertoire because it's what made me become an opera singer. It's how I fell in love with the art form. Why shouldn't we be as adventurous with that now? I've changed my opinion a little bit about this because I used to be someone who thought, we can't change anything. It's a temple. <laughs> you have to keep it the way it is because it's perfect as it is. And now I'm saying, well, let's change the narratives up. We want to get more people exposed to the beauty of this art form. And if it continues to look like something that is out of touch and out of reach, that's not going to do any of us any good. It's not going to keep our art form alive. Preeti joined the Portland Opera as artistic director in the fall of 2021. And these priorities remain top of mind. How on earth are we going to get the new generation to come to the opera? Make them feel comfortable. Let them know this is a place for you, that you don't have to feel like you need to dress up to come to the opera, that, that you are welcome here. This is something we all talk about all the time right now. How, how do we get people from different communities and cultures to fall in love with the operatic art form so they don't have to feel like it's where rich white people come to congregate, which would intimidate so many folks? How are we going to break down those walls and say, Come experience an opera, just try it. How do we message to our community in our city that opera is amazing and beautiful and it's a place where you can belong? How do we get that new generation in to love opera? Um, yeah, we're still working on that. Many Roads to Here is a production of The Immigrant Story. This episode was produced and edited by Elena Yusin, with sound design by Rick March and post-production by Greg Palmer. The original interview was conducted by our executive producer, the unbeatable Sankar Raman. Thank you to Preeti Gandhi for providing the live opera music you hear in this episode, and to St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Beaverton, Oregon, 
for the use of their space to record this interview. This episode is part of a series exploring the stories and experiences of Asian Americans in a climate of anti-Asian rhetoric and increasing violence. It is produced as part of the Oregon Rises Above Hate Coalition and made possible by a generous contribution from Anne Nato Campbell. To learn more about the coalition, please visit OregonRisesAboveHate.com. For more stories, visit TheImmigrantStory.org backslash many roads, listen live at PRP.FM, or stream us wherever you get your podcasts.